0: Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast, episode thirty-nine. I'm Orion. I'm here with Peter, and we are going to talk some Bible today. We see, I already did that thing. I guess I'm going to the the uh, contact information. Yes. Uh, If you'd like to get a hold of us, you've listened to the podcast maybe before and you thought, oh, I'd like to ask them a question or leave some sort of comment with them, you can do that um, at podcast at morethanhearers.com, you can do that on our Facebook page as well as learn about um, maybe some upcoming events, uh, speaking engagements or whatever, Uh, see our latest uh, boosted posts things like that. Facebook.com slash morethanhearers. Instagram at morethanhearers. Peter's got a Twitter at MTH underscore Peter. I'm at OrionPlaysMusic. Some of you have left some uh, nice ratings on the iTunes uh, app under our podcast listing. We appreciate that. Uh, You can continue to do those if you have uh, not already done it. If you've already done it, you can't do another five star. I tried. It does not count. <laughs> you can, however, write a review. You and could submit that. You could actually write a review. Who does that anymore? Amazon shoppers. Uh huh. Yeah. So somebody out there is still writing reviews. Uh, we do take uh, donations to expand the listenership of this podcast, and um, if you feel so called, uh, you can do that. We're. Uh, PayPal, you can do it through the PayPal thing. Uh, And it's just the email address, podcast at morethanhearers.com. And I want to eat something right now, but I don't know if I should do the question. Peter, should I do the question before the food or just Uh, during? Oh, no, what's happening? There's food. There is food, yeah. So we're really excited. I'm going to open this up. I'm going to open mine. You should open yours. So a little while ago – Friend of the podcast, Susan, sent us scones, and you'll remember that if you listen to that episode, because we were eating the scones uh, in the podcast, and they were delicious. But but so we received what, to me, Peter's, I think, seen and had these before. i have never seen these before, and I think I'm about ready to start a food review podcast. <laughs> these are Old Dutch brand ketchup-flavored potato chips. And uh, these come from a friend of the podcast, Jeff. Jeff, uh, I'm going to thank you now in case I don't like them, but then if I really like them, then you'll get extra thanks.
1: But so some of our listeners are going, yeah, Ryan, ketchup chips are totally a thing in Canada. Whoa. lot? Of, uh, That's a lot of flavor. a lot flavor. of ketchup. <laughs> yeah, <it's a> lot. <laughs> and if you're going to get ketchup chips and or the other great Canadian chip, of course, is all-dressed chips. Lays make them. Everybody makes them, but Old
0: Dutch, Old Dutch is the way to go. These are good. I, I agree. That first one was a kick in the mouth in a way. Like, do you, you like salt and vinegar chips? Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. hate them. What? I hate. For the record, Your Honor, I hate salt and vinegar potato chips. I, I, I like these though. If you're you, interested Jeff. in co-hosting
1: more than here, please <laughs> send an email to. Wow, oh,
0: <laughs> I was a fast
1: fire. So. Uh, all dressed chips, also a Canadian
0: chip. Is that a flavor you're saying or a yeah, brand? All
1: dressed. A L L dressed. All okay. dressed. Gotcha. It's sort of a mixture of barbecue and salt and vinegar, but not like, whoa, vinegar. More like, huh, vinegar. Oh.
0: These, yeah. these okay. have, have to have vinegar in them. Well, it does have vinegar. Does? Well, uh-huh. okay. I was right. <laughs> One zero. No, I guess. I was trying to read the ingredients, but because
1: they're from Canada, they're in English and French, and I started reading the French, and I was like, wait a minute. It's been many years since high school French. Um, I'm looking for it probably s- vinegar on the list. It's probably just
0: vinegar in both languages, I'm guessing.
1: It's not on the list. Okay. I don't
0: know what to do. Well, in any case, really send good. food. Thanks, Jeff. We'll eat it on the air. <laughs> we'll thank you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh I think that's a thing. I mean, some of you're going, that's it, I'm not sending food, but um some of you might just want to get your food mentioned. So, anyway, we want we want to eat your food. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh we have a new uh, it's a new segment. Is it's, it? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if it, it it's a so Another thing that's that's going on is uh, I don't know if I should mention him. I won't mention the name on this one because okay. he he said it was cool, but um, I don't know if he says I'd friend like to- of the podcast. Yeah. Not Jeff. <laughs> not Jeff. This one's not Jeff uh, or Susan. Uh-huh. We're whittling it down. Uh, process of elimination. Know all three of our listeners. <laughs> Not Jeff. Susan, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, and not Jeff. Okay, so we had someone ask a question. They said, um, uh, you know, what it was kind of like, what's up with this whole, when we pray, and you hear commonly in, uh, I want to say in at least American English, I don't know if this is even global thing in English, I don't know, but you hear people, they give thanks uh, for the meal, uh, they close the prayer, in Jesus' name, Amen. Or they pray for a healing, and they end in Jesus' name, Amen. And the pattern is, you pray for the thing, and then you say in Jesus' name, Amen, and then that's the formula for success, and your prayer is more likely to be heard if you use these words in this order. Right? I mean, that's the, there's there's almost like it's it's a thing. It's kind of it's like almost like a spooky thing where people think if that if I say that it's got some power. Or there's another thing where people just say it with no regard for. Who Jesus is, what it means to be proclaiming something in His name, or any of you know any of that, they just say it because it, it's something that they've heard, and we're all guilty. I think probably if you really like, like, fine tooth combed it, we've all probably said something Christianese at some point that was kind of thoughtlessly because we'd heard before or whatever. But let's not make a habit out of it, right? So anyway, this was my answer to uh, to our friend from the friend of the podcast. I said. I've heard so many prayers ended with in Jesus' name, amen, that I've adopted into my own library of prayer endings. The Bible teaches that we should ask things, or pray, in Jesus' name. Cast out demons, advance the good news, and believe all in his name. Does that mean we need to say in his name? No. It's more like how messengers sent by a king would bear his seal. Uh, like a, even just like a physical wax seal, or maybe uh, a metal uh, trinket that's unique, like molded and formed. And and when when that messenger brings that, he's coming in the name of the king. Whatever the messenger the messenger says, it's as if the king himself said it. Uh, in that way, the king doesn't even need to be there to deliver the message because the messenger is coming in his name. And so we should be acting in accordance with our king's will and acting as good stewards of his name. Uh, Peter, do you have anything to add on that? I I love that good stewards of his name. That caught me.
1: Um, And you actually read that response to me before the show, but I don't know why it caught me this time. I pulled up a list of verses. Um, uh, I'll give you just a couple of them. Um John 14:13 Whatever you ask in my name this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the son. Um uh, here's the other one I was looking for. John 15:16 uh, You did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should also uh, your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give it to you. And we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. And I told Orion, They said, it's it's a lot like John 3.16. And you're like, Jesus doesn't talk about prayer in John 3.16. No, you're right. He doesn't. But we've heard it so many times. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, there's my King James, yep, came out. shall not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, all Almost all of us. Maybe you don't know it. A lot of us know it by heart or at least to get the general principle of it. The point I'm trying to make is this that we say these things so often that they lose their punch their significance, but it doesn't change the value or the significance of the words, and so it's the same thing where i you know I was taught to pray as a little kid, you know God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, by his hands we are fed, give us God our daily bread,
0: amen, okay, you don't know this one no i i there was another one uh I can't remember. I can't remember what it was. It's 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 very curt. Rub a dub dub. So, thanks for the grub. That's yay the you wad. Yeah, God. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually from a really cute
1: movie. Uh, I don't remember. It was a little curly headed girl. Uh, Not I don't remember, Annie. remember the movie. Not, Not Annie though. Not Annie. No, okay. no. Nineties, late eighties, early nineties. It's about a boy who gets stung by a bee and dies.
0: Wow, heavy yeah, stuff.
1: Sorry. Um, Downer. But, but since I was a kid, I have been ending prayers with, in Jesus name. Amen. And and so, yeah, I, I think for a lot of people it gets scary of are we just saying this because we say it or do we understand that when we close a prayer that way, we're actually fulfilling a command of Jesus to ask, to pray, to touch God in his name. The Bible says in, mul- in other places, and if you're looking for quick references, I've got today's chapter pulled up, so it's really hard to hunt these other ones down, but but that we have access to God the Father through Jesus. And so in our prayers to God, whatever we're praying about, whether we're in worship, whether we're asking, whether we're just expressing our frustrations or whatever it is to God, for us to understand as believers that we're able to approach God boldly through Christ in the name of Jesus is how we have access to God. And so yeah, and in a prayer in Jesus' name, I think is, I don't think it's required to say those words, but I think it's important for me to say those words as a remembrance mm. for me on how I have access to even have this discussion. I like that. You go pre New Testament, you go to the Old Testament, the only way you get access to the Father is through a priest, and even he might get struck dead. Yeah and hebrews the author hebrews says that jesus is our high priest now and through him we get to approach the throne room of god boldly i i agree but i'm gonna go ahead and make sure i go uh uh, here's here's how i get to come in uh please don't strike me dead you know i i'm here in the name of jesus and so um and i think again uh i said it and as i said it i realized i said it kind of quickly I think it's important for us to remember that it's not just when we're going, hey, God, I'd really like a shiny new car. I don't, it's not just when we ask. I think it's any we approach God. I think that means even in worship, that we should be understanding that we get to approach God in worship. We get to worship him directly in the name of Jesus.
0: Yeah, because of Jesus. Yeah. So so any authority we have comes from Jesus in that regard.
1: Because our access to eternity is in Jesus. Only.
0: Yeah. So. You, you had mentioned, and we need to get off this, but uh, as a reminder, you say these words as a reminder to yourself of the importance of them. Yeah. And it's easy to say them mindlessly, but you're saying them mindfully. And I yeah. do the same thing with uh, when someone sneezes. I don't need to say, God bless you. I love saying, God bless you to someone when they sneeze. And I love thinking, actually, actively. May God bless Blessing you. Blessing upon them. And the sneeze is just a reminder that I should be telling people that.
1: Isn't that funny? <laughs> it is. Like just that little reminder. Um the Oh yeah. By the way, I want God to to bless you. <laughs> this that reminds me of a thing I do. Uh Facebook. Uh, a lot of us, some of us, maybe none of you. Maybe it's just me. It just you. Orion's barely on <laughs> Facebook. Um I I'm on Facebook often. Uh keep up with family and friends and whatever that way. And you're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And somebody goes, Oh, uh, please say a prayer for my cousin's dog that, you know, got hit by a car and has a broken leg. Or please say a prayer for, um, a, a friend of mine, one of my oldest friends, not that she's old. Uh, we've been Long-time friends friend. since we were four years old. My oldest friend, uh, her daughter just had major surgery. Um, and so she was posting, you know, asking for prayer. I'm scrolling through Facebook. I'm not stopping and doing a 10-minute prayer on each of these things because I'd be there all day. But I have made a habit of when I see those, saying to myself or even out loud, in the name of Jesus. Nice. Scroll. In the name of Jesus. Scroll. Kind of like your God bless you. Yeah. Of just sometimes some people will go, I pray for an unspoken request. Dear Lord, uh, please be with so and so with unspoken request. When it's you know that unspoken request, Lord, it's it's that that attitude of prayer of just I don't know what the situation exactly. is. I don't know what's going on. I don't even know if it, it maybe God's will. I don't even know. I can't sure. pretend to know. But to be able to speak the name of Jesus over that thing, I think is is worth time it's probably worth more time than i take on it
0: okay so if you've got a question or podcast at more than that's the one facebook.com slash more than, than hearers yours. yep instagram more than hearers yep bring those and uh maybe we can handle those and maybe if, you could, if you're like i'm not really feeling this question thing just get onto the bible uh let us know that too let us know something please yeah. just tell us something yeah
1: Absolutely. And if you're going, gosh, these guys are talking about an awful lot of ketchup chips and email questions and all of this other stuff. It's because we're avoiding the chapter Because we're today. avoiding Luke chapter 16 in every way we possibly can. Now, if you're a good student. And we're out of time. Uh, Thanks for listening. In Jesus' name, amen. We should, like, actually cue the music in there just to freak people out. A fake out. music cue? Nah,
0: we won't do that. Okay, now for those of you who stayed.
1: <laughs> Bonus track. <laughs> Actual podcast. Um, if you read ahead because you're like superstar student or I don't know, whatever you read ahead to Luke chapter sixteen, you're going. I can't wait to see these guys muddle through this thing. Here so it is. here it is. Luke chapter sixteen is difficult um, on a bunch of different levels, and you're going to see as we get into it. And it's so funny because when we closed the last episode. Um, afterwards, we turn off the microphones and we're, we're putting stuff away and cleaning up like <laughs> we do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, uh, Orion and I flipped ahead to the next chapter and we're like, oh, no, what do we do with this? And so there, there are Bible teachers out there that Orion and I both respect immensely. And so Orion looked up one guy's uh, teaching on Luke 16. and Orion, He listed which,
0: it as one of the... Only two things that he didn't allow his students to ask him about. Yeah. That is chapter 16.
1: Yeah. It, it's, this is a guy who answers a lot of stuff I don't want to answer. I don't even know where to. End. I don't know what to start with. Right. And he's like, oh, no. No, here's what it is. Luke 16, he's like, here's the best I can do. Mm-hmm. It's hard. So here we go. Luke 16, starting in verse 1 says this, Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and he asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, that's a silly thing to owe some- No, he didn't say that. Sorry. <laughs> the manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Scandalous. So he asked this. Then he asked the second one, How much do you owe? Well, a thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, Take your bill and make it 800. Now, if we pause there, we can go, Oh, Jesus is going to say, Don't be wicked like this guy. Yeah, I wish that's what he said. Uh, The next verse is verse 8. And uh, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. What? I'm already stuck and I'm not even done with the verse. The verse keeps going and it doesn't get better. It doesn't resolve. It doesn't explain it. Jesus says this uh, if, you're, if you're reading in a paper Bible or even a modern app and you've got what's called a red letter edition, you know that the red letters are the words of Jesus. These are red letters. These are the good ones, the good words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're all good. I know, but I just. Okay. Like they're them. all inspired by Jesus. Got it. Okay. Yes, you're right. Sorry. Jesus. I repent. No, it's it's just trying to be funny. It didn't work. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, this is still Jesus, not me, by the way. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings what thank you for that okay. Orion I just want to make sure somebody else realized this is bananas talk
0: Glenn. yes when we I feel like we need to qualify when because I'm as guilty when we say something Jesus said is bananas talk uh, it just means we don't not, understand we're it. not there yet yeah. we don't get it's it, and maybe that's the ultimate perfect cop out um we, we just have dumb human brains. Sorry. Let's move on. No,
1: no, no, no. Um, I'm not afraid to address this as long
0: as listeners understand um, I don't know. So what we can do is uh, maybe throw out some of the various ramblings that come about when this gets talked about, according to scholars that spend far much, far more of their lives studying the Bible and still come up no closer to the answer in this.
1: I read six commentaries on this. I can tell you that five of them were all different than each other. The sixth one was a literal word-for-word copy of one of the others. Oh, dirty. <laughs> Speaking of scandalous. It may have had a footnote that referenced it. I didn't pay attention long enough. I just went, wait, I've read this somewhere else. Oh, there it is. So, the the easy way to dismiss this. Let's go back. Um verse 6, 5, sorry, 5. So, he called in his each one of his masters debtors and he asked the first how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil he replied, and
0: the manager told him, "Take your bill, sit down quickly, make it 450." Pause. King James and probably New King James says 100 measures of oil and then converts the instead of the 450 to the 900 ratio it's 50 to 100 so somewhere between translating this into the King James and then later translating to the NIV they learned that a measure equaled I don't know what the math is on that uh 99 is it 99 nine okay cuz it was 900 gallons is 100 measures right oh, oh so right, nine right. To one. there it is nine to one yeah. okay but then but then a measure equals a different amount of what's the next commodity uh, wheat yeah because <laughs> because there it's a hundred in the in the King James and then uh, he can he, he knocks that down to four score which is 80 I believe a thousand bushels of wheat so it's odd that these measures equal different quantities I agree. And somehow the NIV found out what those were. Somebody's smarter than me. Anyway, I, I wonder.
1: I wanted to see really quick um, where the NASB lands on this.
0: Oh, still measures. Okay, never mind. So NIV may have made up some numbers here, which is fine. To put them the into the numbers. Yeah. I don't know. Well, the ratio. The ratios are more important than the numbers, right? I think. I think. I don't know but. So
1: here's the way many I was going to say most but I yeah, don't know that can't, to be most true. Of this. Many Bible scholars dismiss this. You like I use that word dismiss on purpose. Yeah, what are you talking about? So <laughs> <laughs> there is a certain level of cultural relevance at play here. Here's what I mean by that. There are many Bible scholars who say one of the ways to look at this is that culturally at the time the manager would have <laughs> been owed a commission on
0: what the manager was due right because he was he was not a servant not a slave right uh he had a wage and he was being fired from his job here though he had not yet been fired if you read the the grammar yeah but he's gonna get
1: fired (laughs) yes because he's still doing his job here yes he has not yet been fired And so of those uh, 900 gallons of olive oil, a certain number of those gallons were his commission, his percentage, if you will. And so culturally at the time, this is what these scholars say. The reader of this or the listener who was present with Jesus would have understood that, oh, those 900 gallons, some of those gallons are going to the manager. And so the manager wrote off his share. In order to make sure that the people he wrote it off for really liked him. Yeah, same problem? thing with What's the bushels of wheat. He was like, oh, this much of those bushels of wheat would have been my share. Uh, just write that off. What's wrong with this understanding? Um, a couple of things. It doesn't explain why he's still wicked. Uh, wicked? Uh, unjust? Uh, unjust. Dishonest. Unrighteous? Dishonest <laughs> is the word. The NIV uses dishonest. Um, it, it doesn't totally explain everything away. Um, it's an easy way to wade through it and go, okay, well that, that would explain how he managed to write those things off and he wrote them off. And so that way people will like him. And once he's fired and has no job and eventually can't pay his rent and gets booted out in the street, he can be like, Hey, remember I saved you, uh, 450 gallons Mm -hmm. of olive oil. Mind if I crash on your floor for 450 gallons or so? (laughs) Maybe just possibly. How how long will – how far will 450 gallons get me? I was trying to think of how much one of those five-gallon jugs of like peanut oil is at Costco, oh, and I've never paid attention. I think it's like maybe 12 bucks. Okay, so yeah. Adjust for inflation. Times nine, yeah. A couple nights? At least. Yeah, <laughs> if not more. Okay, good. I don't know how – I'm more enamored by how you go into debt 900 gallons of olive oil. Uh. It doesn't solve the problem here. It's just – no. At what point do you realize you have a problem and maybe you should back down on your olive oil consumption? <laughs> I mean, I like olive oil, but easy. Anyway, um, the harder part to understand not so much is how can he cut all that out? It's what Jesus says in response to it. First of all, verse 8, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. I think one version even says praised. Yeah, NESB says, and his master praised the unrighteous manager. Um, It'd be a lot easier to dismiss it as, uh, he commended means he actually chastised him. Well, no, the word there means, great job. Well done. Still fired, but I really appreciate you getting that stuff sorted out. Um, Because he had acted shrewdly. And so then a lot of commentators go, he's not praising him for cutting down his accounts of what he's owed he's praising him for his shrewdness like you're pretty shrewd now get out Um, you're looking at me so blankly right now
0: I I, don't even know how to go forward see because this is almost this whole discussion is almost as uh, fruitless as us just eating the chips on the air I mean I like that part but he's going for more chips so there's there's some things that we can say about this, but then we still get really I don't know that we get any closer to understanding this thing at any real level and even if you try to summarize because it's like, okay guys, just get to the point you know we okay you're getting lost in the details. The point is by the time you get to the end, we don't know what to make of it because it does it seems counterintuitive Mm-mm. but even when you take little things like um, uh, uh, Peter's mentioned that some people think that he was not commending him and that he was reprimanding him. The, the master was reprimanding the, uh, the hired man. Uh, but then, you know, there's, well, no, it doesn't appear to be that. And then other people still are saying, well, uh, he really was commending him because his debts may have been completely unreasonable uh, to pay off and the shrewd manager is actually just cutting them and at least collecting something to a something, collectible amount yeah something is better than nothing right right i mean this is how uh, collection agencies collect, collections agencies buy debt from companies that where you legitimately owe them money and they write it off as a loss they go oh, we'll probably never get that back so they write the difference i guess between that and what they, they buy use. it as a, at a discount
1: yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. then
0: so uh uh, uh, arguably a shrewd businessman, buys your debt from this company and then hunts you down to try to get you to pay. You should be settling your debts. You shouldn't have this outstanding stuff. Some of these people resort to dirty tactics to try to get collected because they've bought debt. I mean, think about it. How, how grumpy would you be if you bought debt?
1: Side note, I knew a guy <laughs> years ago, it's been a long time, uh, who owns a collection agency. I own millions in debt. Do you know what inspired him to start this company? Um, he owed a whole lot of money. Yes. Really? He formed a collection agency. Okay. Bought all of his debt and wrote it off as a business loss. No. Yeah.
0: I commend this man. That's a shrewd that manager. Is, that is massively Scandalous, shrewd. but shrewd. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I won't share the company name on the podcast, but uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that story. It's like... That's I have owed a collection agency money in my life. They are scandalous. They are shrewd. There might be a good one. I don't know. We I've never I, yeah. I don't have
0: like I haven't tried them all. So Yeah, okay, good for you.
1: <laughs> Sorry, that's funny. So,
0: so so when we get to the the end of this we just don't we can't resolve so much of this but it doesn't matter that we can't resolve all the details we can't resolve the whole story
1: and and i want to come to this verse nine because it's it's hard but we talked about it quite a bit before the show started and
0: i gave uh, up before we started based on what we talked about before i
1: know and and i think if we uh, and we'll get there if we back away and look at the whole chapter it might be a little easier to reconcile some of this stuff it might oh good it might make it worse (laughs) Okay. You decide. But verse nine, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. What that means. So yeah, it's weird. It's, it sounds like make a bunch of money so you can buy your way into heaven. It kind of sounds like that.
0: It does. I, we know that it can't mean that, right? Right. So that's exactly. where we get to the, at least there. We right. get Right. Well, okay. That's not a correct understanding. So... Almost
1: every commentary I read reconciles this verse this way of we, it's popular teaching. There's several popular teachings in regards to money and the church. One is God wants you to be happy and have everything your heart desires. So if you keep praying and you're faithful and you give me a hundred dollars, God will bless you ten times. Prosperity. Prosperity. Um, I sent Orion a thing the other day about prosperity. And I'm going to try and find it while I talk because it was so good. I almost can quote it. It was a John Piper quote. It says, prosperity cannot be a proof of God's favor since it is what the devil promises to
0: those who worship him. That's that. It stunned me because it's 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 true. It doesn't say that prosperity itself is not a blessing. Right. It just says it can't be used as a proof. Right for, of God's favor. Right. So God can still. What this means? Uh, dumb it. I dumb it down for myself because I. I can get confused. It doesn't mean that God is not looking on you with favor if He has not blessed you with enormous wealth. Right. He can be saying to you every hour of the day, "Well done, good and faithful servant," and you still have meager means.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. We could get into how, what that looks in the various ways or whatever. But, but just how how true it is that, yes, we anyone preaching prosperity as if it's some formulaic doctrine. Yeah, and it's the, it's the right side of the equation when you do X, Y, and Z. No, that's not how God works. I
1: totally agree.
0: The, the apostles gave their time,
1: talent, and treasure for the kingdom of God from Acts chapter 2 on. All but John were killed for it. John was just left to die. A little different. But they were all killed for it. None of them was uh, super successful or had an amazing life because of it. So, Well, their be- ministries were successful. So this thing of um, all the commentators say this verse, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The idea behind this is to take what God has given blessed you with financially, and use it in kingdom-minded ways. That's not what it says. I know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> How do they other get that from
0: the I'd love if it, if it said something that looked like that, it would make plenty because of sense. Because theoretically, your friends,
1: people you draw around you, would be drawn to the things you're drawn to. You would bring people around you
0: so that you could be an influence to them. To advance the kingdom. Yes, but it says worldly wealth. I know it doesn't say use whatever whatever means, including spiritual means. It says specifically worldly wealth. Would Would you like to look at it in another version? Because it gets worse.
1: Yeah. Okay. So in with your other version, uh, NASB says, "And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness." Yes. Preach on. ESV says, "I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of
0: unrighteous wealth." Okay, it's not just not just worldly but it's actually like an unholy. <laughs> so the the word there is mammon. Yes. Aha. Which we know from a very famous verse. Is you cannot serve both, both God, God and, and mammon. mammon. Yeah.
1: And people want to go well, that means money. It doesn't just mean money. Right. It means money gained scandalously or stuff. Like or olive stuff. oil. Anything anything you worship <laughs> or bushels of wheat. Mm, anything wheat. you're worshipping above God. Any thing, not... Yeah, thing. Above or
0: alongside of. Ooh. (sighs) Ow. (laughs) Sorry. Jerk. (laughs) Ow. Hey, that hurt.
1: (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) A friend of the podcast is fond of saying, you've gone right past preaching and straight into meddling. (laughs) Anyway. Um, Yeah, it it is unrighteously gained wealth. I don't know what to do with this. We cannot buy our way into heaven. It's been bought for us. All we can do is surrender. Okay, go to 10. Okay, here we go. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. No, just with just <laughs> with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. I love this verse because it's so simple. It's a simple principle. It's almost the only thing I can take out of this. Okay, win. Here we go. So, if you have not been trustworthy in handling mammon... Mm. Uh-oh. It says worldly wealth in the NIV. Who will trust you with true riches? Okay. Now,
0: I feel like we're getting closer. We are, because the true riches money? Yeah. No. Aha! Okay. Oh, okay. So... But, but nowhere else have I seen... Okay, we have the... the uh, parable of the Talents. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's two variations of that, right? One starts with the, the wealthiest guy, or the the one, he's not wealthy. The servant given the most has ten. ten and another one, he and gets one. five. Right. And then the other guy gets two and one. It's like five, two, and one. And there's no. one with the ten, five, and one. Ten, five, and one. Ten, five, one, and one. or Yeah. And then there's another one that's five, two, and one. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, but in both these parables, the two that were given the larger amounts, they gained... Double, uh, Yes, they doubled their, uh, they invested, they doubled, and then they returned back to the master because this is the master's money. They're not even getting a commission off this, right? They're not hired people. They're slaves, they're servants, they're, they're, they're stewards, but they're supposed to be using this stuff. To gain the master money, and so the master is upset when. Did, did we talk about this? How like because you and I both in the within the last year, I believe, started actual money investments. We did, and I want you to know that your description of this parable has already blown my mind. Okay, keep going. Okay, so my mind was blown after I've read this parable, both these parables, the ones about the talents, uh, hundreds of times. I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of times, I, and I understood them, and I can tell them, you know, from memory and so forth. And then I was telling someone, oh, it's really funny how actually dealing with uh, investment, investing my worldly wealth, um, your mammon, my, 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 mammon yeah. uh, my money, yeah, and, and just trying to look at what it looks like to grow that and trying to be a good steward of this thing, right, um, you, in that sense, gave me a new light in this parable. And then as I spoke it, God revealed to me something that I hadn't even thought of yet. It was like he gave me this this new gift. He says... Uh, you know, commends the two for earning the double. Then he gets to the one at the end. He goes at least all the. If you don't remember the one with the one, he just buried it in the ground. Yeah, I because he was afraid of losing the, it. Yes. Yeah. The master says, "Uh, you wicked servant." He says, "At least uh, I'm paraphrasing. You should have." Given it to the banker so that I could have learned interest or earned interest on it. He, he, what he's basically saying is the minimum you could have done is put it in a savings account. Now everybody realize that savings account is what Jesus calls the minimum investment. And I was like, whoa, because I always thought savings account, that little interest you earn. Was, 0.2% or whatever. Yeah, it was like, oh, it's earning interest. <laughs> it's earning less than inflation yeah. interest. It's actually losing you money. It's just slowing down the speed at which you're going backwards. It's buried in the ground, basically. Uh, so all of that, like we understand how all of this investment in, mel- in the, the money – Works in the parables. We've seen, we've seen it before, but in this one, it's compared. It's comparing the money directly to true riches and saying, "If you're not responsible, and and the other parables are, are they're kind of saying the same thing with the talents. They're kind of saying the same thing, but here it's plain English in my translation. <laughs> I got to qualify that. And and Jesus says, "If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, then." Who will trust you with true riches? That's the spiritual wealth, the kingdom of God wealth. It's too it's it's almost like too big of a leap from the other parable for me. It's too much.
1: I saw something new in this parable that I thought for sure you were gonna hit it and you didn't. In the parable you referenced, parable of the talents. Go ahead. And I'm like excited about it. Like excited. Now I'm nervous. I'm so glad. <laughs> let's just start, let's just take the the ten talents guy. Okay? The, the master goes, hey, I'm i got to go. I'm going to be gone for a little while. Here's 10 talents. Please take care of them. And the, we know what happens. The guy puts them in the stock market, some bonds, a little bit of ETFs. He's, Aggressive growth, 50%, yeah, uh, yeah. 100% growth. And probably dude. diversifying a little bit to take advantage of several different avenues. He might be. And he doubles up. And the master comes back and is like, hey, you got my 10 talents? And dude's like, I got you 20, bro. I got to be honest for me. I'm probably more likely to go, yep, here's your 10. Mm-hmm.
0: No, you're made, not. You're not. <laughs> I, made,
1: I made $10, 10 talents. <laughs> I earned 10 talents. Yeah. You, they weren't yours. They never were yours. Yeah, these are new money. Yeah, My he, money. That he had the presence of mind to see that all 20 yes. belong to the master. Oh, there's a lesson in there somewhere. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that, yeah, I don't know. I'm working on it. I'm going to flesh it out. It's coming.
0: Okay, have it by Sunday.
1: Uh, I don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a Sunday I think it's going to work for, though. (laughs) Anyway, that being said. So, yeah, so if you haven't been trustworthy in handling your cash, your bank account, who's going to trust you with true riches, which is what? The kingdom of God.
0: Right? Yeah. uh, The The gospel. Yeah, I was going to say souls. Yeah. Yeah. Are other people's souls? Yeah. I think. Yeah.
1: And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Here's your verse, Orion. No one can serve two masters. This is verse 13. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or mammon is the, the root word there. It's, it's universally true, and you're going, no, 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 I can like, I can have my job and my family. Well, we've all run across workaholics. We've all run across something is going to suffer for your devotion to something else, plain and simple. Uh, verse 14, the Pharisees who loved money, I love that, that Luke takes that dig, heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. What does that look like?
0: A uh, sneer? Yeah. You want me to sneer? Yeah. Like, yeah, kind of, sort of the Grinch hoop. up on the hill looking down at Whoville. It's, uh, it's a little bit, you know what, it's kind of like a forward-facing side-eye, but Ooh. the eyes are narrowed and, yeah. Scowl? It's got, it's a little, there's a scowl, I think a furrowed brow. Okay. I think a side-eye, but but forward-facing, and then maybe a pursed lip. All right. <laughs> Excellent. Let's see if we can get that in a picture. Um, sneered,
1: at, uh, Sneering at Jesus, and he said to them, You're the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. And this verse, I read it, I don't know how many times, and I kept trying to come back to it, and I can see it. For me, um, it reconciles easy, but then it's not plain on the page. But this idea of what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Essentially is, I think, easier said than like this, and maybe Orion will sneer at me, of anything we value higher than God is detestable. That if we valued God highly, that's not detestable in God's sight. Correct. Okay. So it's, what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. That's fair. The first of the top ten. Uh, Thou should not have any other gods before me. Yeah. I, that might have been the same of The Catholics count them differently. Yeah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's right up there. It's in the top ten. I don't know. It's, the Bible starts out with, in the beginning, God. It, it, god's the point of all of this. Anything we exalt above him is detestable to him. And unfortunately, here Jesus specifically calls out
0: money. Fortunate or unfortunate? Sorry. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Peter, who loved money. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. Peter doesn't actually love money. I I mean, who couldn't use a little more
1: money? (laughs) (laughs) Podcast it more than, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh
0: man, there
1: it is. Totally kidding. We're going to pause and take a second offering. No, I it's totally joking. The law and the prophecies, verse 16, were proclaimed until John. It's not in there, but the Baptist, just in case you were wondering. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the last stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Least stroke. Sorry, you're you right. have least, right? It does say least. Okay. Yeah, I just misread it. My fault.
0: The uh, the least stroke referring to... There's two things. That I think it's it might be King James, but we're... Uh, Jot and tittle. Jot and tittle. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's like yod, I think, in, in the Hebrew, yod. And I don't know how you say tittle. I don't know I just really. like to say tittle. But... but the yod or the jot and the the tittle are one of them uh i know is like uh it's like a comma or something a dot but 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 not a period right well yeah but one of them is like a comma but it's like for it goes above some letter or something the other ones they are like just it's this tiny little dot over a letter that makes it some other letter Mm -hmm. and that's all they are and like if even even those like which are the, the least stroke of a pen would be just like this tiny little, the barely the pen barely touched the paper. That's what it's meant by least stroke. Does this mean we're still bound to the law, Ryan? Oh, not at all. Why
1: did Jesus say that? Nah, are we going to go there? It's easier for heaven and earth to disappear <laughs> than for the least stroke
0: of a pen to drop out of the law. I say we go here because it's one thing we can actually answer. Okay, perfect. I awesome. love that he says this. See, there's a time where when I was combating different theologies, um, I want to I phrase it that way because... I don't think we combat the people that present these theologies. Very good point. But but I was combating theologies um, with people, um, combating theologians. Oh, see, that's the people again. That sounds like a board game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I want it now. <laughs> I do. Dang it! It doesn't exist and probably will never. No. Oh well. Go ahead. So, so the. Uh, some people use this as a proof text for why we need to adhere to uh, whatever cherry-picked elements of the law they deem are still valuable. And then she's just you... talking about money, so it must mean the tithe. <laughs> oh, there, there, you go. It must be. It must be. Go ahead. But but then when you when you summarize, when you summarize, what's the point of the law? And what does this say? Um, it's the. This one's just talking about the law but let's let's throw in the prophets because they always want to mention the law and the prophets Mm -hmm. and Jesus mentions the law and the prophets and how important they are. And so if Jesus is talking about them, they have to be still uh, adhered to, but no, they're still valid. He's saying they're still valid, but why are they valid? Why were they ever valid, Peter? Why would the law have ever have been valid if it were going to be invalid someday? Why would it be, why would it be valid? It was. Uh, what is it? What is the whole reason for the
1: law, the, to point us to God, uh, to to point us to our need for something more and our inability to satisfy the requirement of the law?
0: And who specifically did it point us to? Jesus. It, specifically, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Specifically. So, yeah. so from so the if, beginning. So, if the law points everyone who has not yet heard of Jesus to Jesus, then why would the law go away? The law literally exists in any point of time to point people to Christ. Once you have Christ, you don't need the law anymore. You don't need to follow it. You don't even need to look at it to, to find Jesus again. You have Jesus. But until you have Jesus, the law is the pointers. It's the road signs. It's it's the, the arrow uh, as you're going on the curve. When you, when you need to yeah. slow down and you ignore the little number next to the arrow, but the arrow tells you which way to go at least. Times two plus ten. <laughs> it tells you which way to turn for your power slide. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that all is still valid for anyone who needs to find Jesus. But once you get to Jesus, you don't go back to that law. You don't go back, and it doesn't matter what any of those jots and tittles say anymore. Now you've got Jesus. He supersedes everything. So I love that he that he's, says this in here. He doesn't say, go follow that. He says, "Follow me." He says, "Nothing will pass away from it because he was the fulfillment of it." It needs to. It needs to be valid in order for. Him, it's a point to it. It's the whole. It's the whole thing. Like so. Can I, mean, I read a verse? Yeah. Yes, please. Because uh, we've had this discussion and we're
1: of like mind on this, and but I know there are plenty of Christians today who've gotten roped into this Jesus plus plus the law like Paul and all these guys were screaming 2000 years ago no mm-hmm. access full it's of it's a it. trap right exactly but somehow it's come full circle and it's a real thing again and so we were talking recently and I bumped into this verse in Galatians And it says it so clearly, and you go, well, how do you know? Because you know what it says, and you guys, it's just your interpretation, man. Yeah. (laughs) So Galatians 5, verse 4, it's in your Bible, it's in mine. I didn't know it was there. I don't know how I didn't know it was there, but it's there. Go to your Bible, Galatians 5, 4. You who who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Whoa, drop the mic. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ.
0: You have fallen away from grace. Self-diagnostic opportunity here. If you think in your mind, in your heart, before others, that trying to uphold the law in any way, and we're talking old law here, somehow makes you a better Christian... You have fallen away from grace? I want to address some of you
1: who are like, Peter and Orion, I hear what you've said, but you read the NIV. I prefer the Bible in the original language. Fine. King James says this Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm sorry. Not sorry. Not sorry at all. <laughs> I am actually thankful. Amen. That that's true. Because my ability to follow the law is not at all. Some I, some of us might be better, better than others. I stink <laughs> at it, pretty much. So, And so, yeah. Uh, so when Jesus says, It's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law because he was the fulfillment of the law. Verse... Eighteen is the weirdest verse in the middle of all of this. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Um,
0: we see this, and I mean, I okay, I, I just I want to say uh, okay, like that's if Jesus said it, right? I'm like I'm the where I'm at. I'm like okay, Jesus said it, so it must be true, but then. You know, some things where he says and I go, okay, it must be true, but I don't know how to I don't know how to interpret it or whatever. This one's just odd for how it comes out of nowhere. It does. And the next verse has nothing to do with it. It comes out of nowhere and it leaves as nowhere
1: as it, it leaves back into nowhere. I know for a fact we have some listeners who are divorced and remarried. Uh, we have a host who is divorced and remarried. That's me. Um, thanks not, for thanks not, for not letting it be ambiguous. <laughs> yeah, like, guess which one? Uh, Send it now. You win a free shirt. I'll no. rat you out. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have shirts for you to get a free one. Don't ask. Um, here's the thing. This is one of those areas where you have to back away and look at the totality of Scripture. What does the entire Bible say? About the topic of divorce, we could even narrow in and go, "What does the New Testament say about divorce?" And Jesus is really clear, especially in Matthew, on it. Of, um, you, Moses permitted you to write your wife a certificate of divorce. He did that because your hearts were hard. We could discuss the theology of that whole verse another time. Um, of God didn't like it, but Moses permitted it, and that made it okay. I don't know how that works. Sure, that's. I don't know. Maybe a justification for papal authority. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Maybe it's under the law. No, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There. I don't know. Oh, um I love but the stuff I know that that Paul talks about it later where he says um, if anyone divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness. Um, and so there's a there's a little asterisk Clause. to that whole yeah. discussion. Um, that's where my first marriage fell apart. That's where my current wife's first marriage fell apart. And so we married each other, um, kind of coming out of that situation. There's also a whole other avenue to address of those who were divorced before they ever knew Jesus and remarried before they ever knew Jesus. You can't go back and be like, well, then do I have to divorce my current husband and go get married back to the first one because it says here I'm not supposed to get divorced and am I an adulterer? No, here's the great thing about any of that, is once we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. None of your old life is held against you. We are, as believers, called to a higher standard in relation to marriage. And as a believer, two Bible-believing, surrendered to God, not cheating on each other, Christians, I don't know how you divorce. I'm not saying... you're wrong if you've done it. I, I'm saying I don't know how you reconcile that with your life in Christ. I don't. That's hard for me to say because I have – we have friends who, if they hear this, they're going to be like, wow, Peter and Orion, I didn't know you felt that way. Although Orion's staying strangely quiet, so it's just my fault instead. But.
0: I, I have thoughts on this that are that are almost dangerous to share. I, 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 <laughs> you I don't know what to do with <laughs> uh, that. <laughs> Uh, it's okay. I don't know. It's our podcast. It is, but we can say our thoughts. What if you hurt my feelings? Um, I. Uh, that's what? a great question. Yeah. <laughs> what if? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean. All I all I end up with this is is I don't I don't know to what extent we're supposed to go to to make good on this this little tr- truth. Okay. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. But then, in the case of remarriage, it's uh it's arguable that then the divorce from that would be a a sin. Mm-hmm. But then it's also arguable, and this is why I'm not saying where I land on this because I there's some things I just don't want to I don't want to take the bullet for. Right. I, I if I'm you honest, don't want to be
1: the poster boy for. If I'm
0: honest, it's probably just because like. I you know what I'll go I'll go softball on this one because I I mean I don't know where where, where does grace end and justice begin and does grace end? <laughs> apparently if if you go back to the law. <laughs> uh, okay. So right. um so yeah it, it's just I don't know I don't know how what the extent is because is your marriage valid if it was uh you know out of line with what God uh permitted i mean is your is your second you say well i can't i can't divorce now because then that would be a sin now but is that marriage even acknowledged by god it's like in a way it's like how we um some of us look to the government authority to define what marriage is and to define what divorce is when god is going wait no 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 that that's not a divorce that's just you two just didn't want to you didn't want to hang out We're each other anymore, anymore. Yeah, yeah what the they, no no don't call that a divorce don't write that you know what I mean? Like God doesn't God didn't say that's a divorce. We signed some paper and then we call that a divorce. Uh you look at the the odd example of uh of Jesus at the woman at the well talking about she had five husbands and then the and one the she, man
1: you are living with now isn't even your husband. Yeah.
0: And and I I don't even know how to resolve that cuz like well what defined marriage in that at that time, you know? Like cuz you think if she was hanging out with him uh in a, a sexual relationship, in a biblical sense, in a biblical sense, then maybe that maybe that would justify Jesus in saying that they're married. But maybe she, maybe he was somebody else's husband. Ooh. And I don't know. Anyway, out of all this, I I just don't know where to take it. But it's it's tough. And I'm, you know what? I I have a. This is my cop out. I have been blessed with uh, faithfulness in my marriage on both parts my wife and myself and this is not something i have to wrestle with right but i i mourn with those who do wrestle with this who've who've been hurt who've hurt others like it's a it's a terrible thing mm-hmm. i i i think you've healed and moved on and, and i think that's good but i know that there's it's got there's got to be an ache there just knowing how it should have been versus how it how it is so
1: yeah and i won't argue with you on on any of that and And then you add kids into the fray and it just, it's, you can understand why, how in the Old Testament, God flat out says, I I hate divorce. Hate. Hate. Amen. Hate. Even if it's biblical, guys, it stinks. It's not the way God intended it to be. So we move on to verse 19. A passage I'm familiar with. I know... Um, People have formed theology on. I never knew there was any sort of um, disagreement about, but apparently there is. Yeah. What's the question, Orion? Is this a parable, Yes, here we go. Verse
0: 19. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's a parable. Uh, Apparently, this is a discussion I didn't know. I call it a parable. Some people call this a story, an account, if you will, Uh of real events that happened, and I think they're bananas. Go ahead. There was a rich
1: man, verse 19, who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus. For clarification, not Lazarus, of Bethany, brother of Mary and Martha, Jesus' best friend. Covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table, even the dogs came and licked his sores. Gross. (sighs) The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Can we pause here? There's more to this parable, but there's already so much. There is, first of all, Abraham makes it sound like people who have good in life Uh go to hell. Uh Hades, sorry, let me clarify. Uh And people who've had it rough uh, dogs licked his sores rough. Rough. Oh no! Sorry. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> Why? People who had it rough go to
0: paradise or Abraham's side. Abraham's bosom. Yes.
1: Yes. No, that's not true. But Abraham said, <laughs> "For God so loved the world that uh, He sent His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life." But these guys died before Jesus died. Oh. Uh, Uh, I guess. They died under the law. I don't know. Oh, shit. (laughs) I don't know, man. The other one that people go, okay, verse 24. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Some people go, oh, there's proof text that those people go to hell or in fire torment forever.
0: Uh, It doesn't doesn't say forever, but. Are in fire torment. Yeah. It looks like it
1: because we talked about this. We had a, a discussion apart from the podcast recently. Yeah, of is it just annihilation? Do you just cease to be? Right? Are you tormented for eternity? Are you tormented for a time and then cease to be? Is Are everyone reconciled to for Christ? a time and then you end up in heaven? <laughs> right. Once you've done your oh, time, that one. Yeah. Like, oh, great, rich guys here. Guy smells like smoke. Did he take a shower? It's been who's roasting marshmallows? Mm. Oh, that's just Tom. He served his time. He's up here now. Hey, hot stuff. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. Um, then there's the people who want to build a theology of those in hell can see heaven and those in heaven can see hell. We can see each other and talk to each other. And, well, just Abraham. Abraham. Well, at least that. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> There's another thing that's interesting in here that I hadn't seen before, and it really doesn't matter to us as a Gentile Christian audience, but it's so interesting to me that the rich man called out to Abraham and referred to him as Father Abraham. Yeah,
0: I saw that. Which
1: tells me that both him and the poor guy were both Jews. Sure. God's chosen people. Okay. But this is kind of the first time where Jesus insinuates that one of God's chosen people Yeah, would end up... Doesn't get to go be with God. Sure. And I'm separated from God. Right. I like it. I don't like it like, oh, he went to hell. All right. Just, yeah, I get you. Yeah. I
0: like the, because. You like that you discovered this. Uh,
1: Israel had thousands of years of history of resting on their laurels of, we're oh, God's chosen people, so it's okay.
0: Yeah, we're already good. Yeah. We're, we're
1: already good with God. We were born that way. I was circumcised on the eighth day, therefore. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't work that way. Go ahead.
0: Also, the, um, there's a humility here, uh, that and it just didn't resonate with me before this time, I guess. But that uh, the rich man is asking to send the filthy beggar with the sores that the dogs would lick to wet his finger with water to deliver. To I mean, that's how how humble the rich man is. How humiliated I want to say, but because
1: on earth he wouldn't even been able to touch the guy because all the sores he'd have
0: been unclean. Sure. But here he is asking for a drip of water from his finger. Just, that's that's a bi- that's a major shift. That it's, it's so subtle that I, I have not seen it for all the times we've looked at it. Really.
1: I have always struggled with the idea
0: of... Another man dripping water into your mouth? No. Why isn't finger? he
1: like, hey, Abraham, could you put some water on your finger and touch my tongue? No. Why is he going to be like, hey, get one of the lesser people to do it? But there's probably something of me in there, I guess. Could be. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, moving forward. Verse 25. I read. Oh no, I didn't. Yeah. That's the great chasm. Yeah. Okay. Great great chasm. So, okay. So it's verse 27. Sorry. I scrolled back up. He answered, that's the rich man. Then I beg you, father, send Lazarus to my family for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent, which I
0: love. Because this is our logic. Like I've had, I'm not joking, a a real life human being tell me that if somebody came to him who had previously deceased, I don't think he knew that this was in here. He and I were in a, a biblical debate. He was an atheist. Still is, as far as I know, and we were having a, a discussion, and he goes, "If you know, if God really wanted to save my soul, he could he could resurrect a deceased relative or something, and then you know, send them and bring that would be proof. I would believe then." My wife, not even in the discussion, she goes, "No, you wouldn't." <laughs> Can
1: you say that phrase again? Which um, one? What he said he, it would require for him to believe uh,
0: a deceased relative coming to to say that God sent him or like jesus <laughs> like, uh, like
1: like if a dead dude rose and said yeah uh god god's real yeah okay he I was just ask
0: asking for a friend yeah okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. i just want to be clear yeah and and we see the failing here but but it was funny i didn't see how failing it was he asked for the same thing that unnamed rich guy asked for in hell yeah yeah that's and kinda, he didn't even ask it for himself. He asked it for his family. But. I saw it
1: differently of, no, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent, which is exactly what happened in Jesus. Yeah, yeah, true. I just thought it
0: was cool. Yeah, that's, okay. that's a funny
1: catch. Uh Verse 31, end of the chapter. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. I wish I could have seen Jesus drop the mic right there. Mm. I just, it's like... It's so good. It's, like, it's so good because we, we even had this discussion in this episode of how the law and the prophets, Moses and the prophets, pointed to Jesus. And Jesus himself goes, if they didn't listen to what pointed to me, they're not going to believe even me. Yeah, He goes, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Uh it's <laughs> I've always looked at this just as like the the central focus of this parable. You're welcome, all right, Being the rich man and Lazarus and Abraham. And I don't know how for so long I missed Jesus just. Yeah. Like same. Outright prophesying right in the middle of it of they're not gonna believe even if someone rises from the dead. And I gotta tell you guys, we struggled through this chapter. I was afraid of it coming into it. We slogged through it and you're probably going, wait, you never resolved this. Sorry. Uh, Some of it's just really hard. But the funny thing is, is in all this study in scripture, it should all resolve back to this of Moses and the prophets, Genesis through Malachi points to Jesus, Matthew through Revelation shows Jesus and points backwards at him, how we should live in accordance with him. When we bump into things that are difficult to understand, if we can step back and go, I still believe. Jesus is still Lord. He's still my Savior. And that I serve a God who gave everything for me. And I want to give everything back to him. This stuff is easier to
0: walk through.